Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Poisoners Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners, macabre murders and captivating crimes from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 193. 193, we're getting through them. Oh, we're getting through them. Yeah. We're getting Chugging along. Oh, how are you, Nick? I'm all right. Usually that's me. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just lucky. Oh, what a nice, what a nice treat for everyone. But you're well apart from the gas. Apart from, apart from a lot of gas, apparently. Indigestion. Uh, yes, apart from that. Could it have been all the cheese we ate yesterday? It could be all the cheese. We ate a lot of cheese yesterday. <laughs> yes, it's now fermenting in my stomach. <laughs> oh God, it's <laughs> not not a, not a good thing. I've been very farty all day. <laughs> <laughs> now everyone knows what happened in your office all day. <laughs> Sitting there, everyone leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's great. <laughs> that's great. That's a thorough, thorough update on how you are. I'm fine. We're both very tired. We're not sleeping well. We don't sleep together, obviously, in the same room. We're about the same house. No. <laughs> that's what you think, Nick. <laughs> you know, I sleep outside your door, curled up in a little ball, and I leave when you wake up in your cat costume. <laughs> oh, now that's for after dark. <laughs> Literally. We're a little bit sleep deprived, but we're ready. We're ready for podcast time because we've started drinking and that always helps. That's always helps. What could possibly go wrong? Exactly. Exactly. Any poisonings this week? Uh, the Sandman? The Sandman. <laughs> still my fucking throat. Still your throat? Yeah. Is your throat still bad? It's still, I've, I, now I've got an ulcer on the back of my tongue. Do you actually? Have you just made that up? Well, I don't know. It, it still hurts. Do you actually not know if you've got an ulcer on your tongue? Can you see it? Right the back. Right the back. Well, how do you know you've got an ulcer? Well, there's something there that's not meant to be there that, that, that hurts. Could it be a roller? And, <laughs> it's just been watched there for the past seven days. Yeah. <laughs> Considering I've not had a roller since 1988, probably not. It's just materialised. <laughs> I was saying. Can to you the still other... get rollos? Can you actually still get rollos? No, no, I want some. Oh no, they're too chewy. They, they, they're a hazard, is what they are. They gum up the mouth and the tongue and they produce ulcers. I'm going to have to Google it now. Please do Google the rollers. No, but I said to you the other day that I do enjoy a spoonful of nut butter. <laughs> you did? As a little treat, because I love a peanut butter. I love an almond butter. That's my, that's my choice. But I've got crunchy peanut butter for some reason. 
And I take a spoonful of that and then I had a good five minutes where it was just lodged in the back of my throat. Bits of peanut. And I was just sort of like a cat. Kind of you can still get Rolos. Can still get Rolos. Oh, brilliant. Right. Okay. That's, well, that's your doing. birthday that's present sorted. Yay. It's your birthday coming up. So just, just one single small packet of Rolos. Just one you. single Rolo. <laughs> Thanks, mate. You'd love anyone enough to give them your last Rolo. No. 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 Absolutely fucking not. Really? Oh, I give them away. I can only have one. <laughs> you can't eat anymore because you're all gummed up. But no other poisonings apart from your throat. Yeah, let's go with that. I don't know. You're just milking it now. <laughs> yes, it's true. I mean, it's, actually all, it's all pretend. I hope you feel better soon. You're nearly at full health. Nearly there. Nearly fully back at full health. Well, speaking of throat problems, but being stylish <laughs> while you have them, I think it's time for us to thank our delicious Patreon subscribers. Yes, let's do that. Let's thank do that. you very much this week to Colleen Glenn. To Helen Nolan. To Froggy Addy. And to Havoc. Havoc, that's very dramatic. Name. Havoc is a villain. Oh, yes. we've got more villain names. I like it. <laughs> oh, it's like a gallery of sort of Batman villains. I like Havoc. That's, that's a good one. Havoc's really good. It's a great that, word. Must, that must be a, a, an evil person name. I'm going to Google it. I'm going I to think Google you, it. We're doing a lot of Googling a lot today. Of Googling. It doesn't bode well for the episode. <laughs> it's just me Googling crimes. No, we have uh, written stuff. It's fine. That's, that's good. Thank you, you delicious, lovely, sexy Patreon subscribers. We had fun on Patreon this week. Nick regaled us with a tale, with a mystery. With a mystery. A great old Croydon mystery. The Croydon mystery had a little dirt mm. of poison to it. That was a real thinker. That it was, one. and there have been some interesting theories. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, Lit put, up, Put Patreon. forward. So, yes, one very detailed and quite compelling argument. By Rebecca, who is the great mm, wordsmith yes, that indeed. we know and love. But very, very good. That was a foxy one. It was interesting. <laughs> Other Patreon subscribers, our cyanide connoisseurs, of course, have had the latest edition of the Case Files of PC Morris, where we talk weird and wonderful news from around the world. And we, we had some weird and wonderful news this there time. There was much weird and wonderful news. It was good. Fueled by cheese. Yes. Yeah. This week has mostly been about cheese. <laughs> But yes, if you want to know what the hell we're talking about, please do consider joining us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the poisonous cabinet. This is our subscriber platform where you get an extra episode every single week, as well as lots of bonus content and a higher tier where you'll get a gift pack from us and also a new monthly episode. And it's nice. It's very, <laughs> it's, it's very nice. Patreon is completely flexible. It helps support us to do what we do and it's a really good place to support creators that you know and love so do consider checking it out if you haven't already well Nick are you ready okay <laughs> to drink cocktails talk about poison uh... or or hear me out hear me out, hear me out. <laughs> we drink some poison and then we can talk about some cocktails yeah let's do that between you and me brother yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't tell no one don't tell no one <laughs> what's, what's what's going on I, I thought of a bit I tried it. Right. You don't know until you try it. This is true. Testing I, I new think, material. I think we did know before we tried it. Oh, every <laughs> time I try something new, it's just hurt and criticism and the arrows. Well, how are you going to get better? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone trying new creative material should have you in the fucking yeah. audience going, that's shit. No, don't do that. Don't do that ever again. <laughs> I have a note. Be funny. <laughs> Just left slipped under your door like that <laughs> during the show. Mm. Should we go with the first one? Yay! Yay! Hooray, hooray, hooray. It is my story this week. And we can't, we can't, we can't possibly have a story without a cocktail in hand. Mm. As you know, dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell and it will flavour our cocktail of the week. So this week's secret ingredient is... Mm. 
New York. New York. I mean, how have we not had New York before? I know. So I... We, did, we did have to go and check the list multiple times. We checked the list twice. <laughs> to make sure we had not had this before, which I was quite surprised. But New York City. New York City. Well done for pointing out, people who pointed out New York State or New York City. <laughs> it is New York City. Mm. Manhattan, if you will. Mm. Uh, but yes, New York. So many possibilities. So, I mean, a huge number of possibilities. Bright lights. So, yeah, I mean, a crazy number of cocktails come from New York. I feel I was kind to you this week with New York. <laughs> also, I really struggled with an ingredient. <laughs> um, I am not going to lie to anyone. I'm going to say it right now. This story is set in New York. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the only link we've got. It's, it's, it's very much part of the New York, the scene at the time. But it's, it's set in New York. And uh, the people in it were part of the New York scene, social scene. Right. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. I. You may pick out things. I'm going to be making way. a list as we go. Please do. Of Please alternative do. Of ingredients. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> it's up there with Sicily. Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> but with New York as your inspiration, your yeah. ingredient. I mean, New York has inspired a great many cocktails. Mm, what there have you come up with? There are many, many cocktails. There's cocktails named after all the boroughs and the districts and mm. the little subdistricts and all sorts of things. Yes. And yeah, no. Cocktails that were created in New York. Some of the most famous and talented bartenders um, in the world are from New York. Mm. So there's a huge amount of options. Our favourite cocktail bar in the world is in uh, New well, York. Well, indeed, absolutely. Yes. Boy. I had one with a classic, an absolute classic. Okay. Some that some people think is the second cocktail ever made. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're gonna have a Manhattan. Oh, I wondered if you were gonna do it. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's an absolute classic. Every now and then we need a classic. Yeah. We need to roll out a classic and it saves us because we've had two dodgy cocktails. Yeah. One last week that we've had twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Less said about that, the better. Yeah. Blame our age. Yes. And the week before was terrible. But yes. a Manhattan. Now, but I've never, I've had a Manhattan. I know I have had a Manhattan mm. before, but I've not ordered it in a bar. It's not one that's on my repertoire. So I'm excited because I okay. don't exactly know what's in it. Well, well, we're about to find out. There are a number of variations on a Ooh. Manhattan. And so oh, okay. people have put their own twist on it and things like that. And they're yeah. still called Manhattans. So I'm making one that I like, but uh-huh. people might go, no, it's not a Manhattan. Manhattan's got to have blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> this is what I'm This is what I'm making. So, yes. Very exciting. Something that I think everyone can get on board with. Well, I think it is high time for us to strut into the Poisonous Cabinet Kitchen and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. We'll see you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. Well, Nick. Manhattan. Manhattan. Oh, is she pretty? She's pretty. You've you've gussied her up well. Oh, well, indeed. So we've got a little garnish. <laughs> a little top hat. Little top hat. Little, little top hat. Oh, uh, your top hat skewers, I should say. You haven't yes, just put the hat on this. Big old hat. No, and with a with a cherry. With a cherry. A maraschino cherry. With a little cherry. Yes. Now, what is in it? Now, my knowledge of a Manhattan is based entirely on the film Some Like It Hot. Okay. Yeah, where they randomly try and make Manhattans while they're all messing about on a train. And if I can try and remember the script from that, I might guess, but it looks fancy. Okay, so do we eat the cherry first or we sip? Whichever you fancy. I'm going to put the cherry at the bottom because I want to soak up the booze. Right, I'm releasing it from the top hat. This is very, very dark. Very dark and foreboding. Okay, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's a cocktail. It's a cocktail. <laughs> it is yeah. really nice. 
I don't know why I was expecting it to be like punch you in the face really strong. I mean, it is quite strong. It is quite strong, but maybe we've been dulled. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I think that is very true. We, yes, we have become immune to many things. It is very tasty. It's spirit. Oh, there it is. Sorry. <laughs> oh, it took a minute. Yeah, took I a minute. it's going to get there at some point. <laughs> it's spirit forward. I suppose in my head, I was thinking like a red hook, which is also named after a place in Manhattan. Uh, it's, a dis- it's an area of Brooklyn. It's spirit forward. It's that. It's that. So what is in it? Um, bourbon? Yes. Vermouth? Mm-hmm. Red vermouth. That's all I know. That's all there is. Is that all there is? Well, is just a slight, slight lie. This one is a mix of bourbon and rye. Oh, okay. So nice. there, there are various people who will say, well, the original one was made entirely of rye. No, the original yeah. one was made entirely of bourbon. Oh. So, and it's, so yeah, lots of different people claim lots of different things. I uh-huh. personally, I prefer a mix of the two. I find rye can be quite harsh. Sometimes, but then sometimes I find bourbon a bit sweet. So this has got both in, and then yep, some red vermouth as well. But this is quite a, this is quite a punchy red yes. vermouth. This one, it's not like a is martini. It's it's a bit it's a, it the pintemez. So it's, it's got a bit it. more of a oomph behind it. Yeah, and then it has got some bitters in there as well, just some mangosteen bitters, and and that I mean that is it. A second um, sip, way better. Yeah. Second sip, it's grown. Yeah, as I said, the first sip, I don't know what I was expecting because it's a classic cocktail. I put a lot of lot of expectations <laughs> into that. You know, I mean, it's, and it's where the red hook comes from. So this is the father of indeed. the red hook. It's just adding maraschino. There are a whole host of other ones that are sort of based on this. Yeah, I mean, this supposedly comes from what people think is like one of the first cocktails, the old fashioned. Yes, being just like bourbon. Some people say it's rye. Some people say it's bourbon. Sometimes it's a mix a mix of both mm. in your old fashioned with some some bitters yeah and that's that and then when he got to new york he got fancied up a bit by <laughs> adding some red vermouth he got gussied up a bit um a so, yeah. so then it becomes actually there's two ingredients it's a real cocktail ah. um and then yeah there are variations around new york so yeah you've got the red hook and things with that mm. there's another one i can't remember what it's called but it's got chinar in it as well Ooh. um so it's another variation yeah, so yeah. rather than the the maraschino that the red hook has it has chinar in and that is again named after another district in new york mm. but yeah this is the the granddaddy of the all of those <laughs> sort of sort of cocktails and a granddaddy for a reason mm, absolutely think. yeah how do you find it i like it i like it, it, it i do like a manhattan i have them every, every now not often but every now and again i will make a man, manhattan because I, mm. I like them I, but there are so many variations some people put dry vermouth in there as well Ooh, so um, just a bit of dry vermouth no, so stupid. yeah so there are a huge amount of people who think no this is the right way to do it yes. <laughs> this, this, this is the original <laughs> but it's just Whatever you like, really. Exactly. <laughs> I think this, it's a really weird analogy. Certain people will get this. Like, how to make a Cornish pasty. Yeah. The same sort of controversy that exactly. is around any time someone makes a recipe. No, that's not real. It is really nice. The second sip is complex. And the rye and bourbon mixture, I appreciate. Very nice. Oh, yeah, that'll get us there. That was true, truly well. And I've still got half a bijou on the go as well from earlier. It's not your episode, though. You well, exactly. So thank God. So I'll be well, a... I encourage you to do so. Give me, give me 10 minutes and I shall be either dancing on the table or asleep. <laughs> Maybe both. Maybe both sleep at the same dancing. time. Can you do sleep kind of Irish dancing on the table? Yes. <laughs> It'll be very entertaining. Well, Nick, we have our drinks. We do. We have our Manhattans mm. strolling through, perhaps, the streets of Manhattan. Nice. Firmly in hand. Are you ready for a story? Go on, then. Okay, Nick. Do it. This week's story, it's a good juicy scandal. Okay. I think you'll enjoy it. I'm going to set the scene for you, one of the climactic scenes. 1871. <laughs> a man lies dead at the bottom of a hotel staircase. Oh. 
Was he pushed? Did he fall? Did he jump? Was he hurtled down there by some other means? <laughs> He's sliding down the banister going, wee, wee, oh, dead. And death. But this is no common thief, no cheap Lothario at the wrong end of the law. It is one of the richest men in New York who lies dead from a gunshot wound. A man who is paid dearly for courting the wrong woman. <gasps> this week, we are going to tell the story of Josie Mansfield. Have you ever heard of her? I'm not familiar with Josie Mansfield. No. It's a great story, one of great scandal in the Gilded Age. Nice. But yes, never heard of it until I think someone suggested it. But it is a tale of scandal of sex, love triangles and murder in New York City. Delightful. New York is the backdrop. It's very important because everyone lived there and there we go. And don't come out. <laughs> New York, New York, New York. It's very, very New York. I encourage people to find an ingredient in here because I, I couldn't. I'm going to say at the start of the story... In places, there are a couple of trigger warnings with it. It's not super dark, but the background of our dear protagonist is grim in certain places. I will warn you when it comes up. But who was Josie? Tell me. Josie Mansfield. Helen Josephine Mansfield, known as Josie, was born in 1847 in Boston, Massachusetts. That's not New York. You're telling me it's not? (laughs) Oh, shit, I've screwed it all up. Someday it will be Boston. (laughs) She was the only child of Sarah and Joseph Mansfield who worked at the Boston Transcript newspaper. Mm. Now, there's some great sources about Josephine out there. I found sort of books and pamphlets written about her at the time of this story's climax, which are incredibly lurid in detail. (laughs) And they skim over certain parts, but the other bits of it can be verified. But this is quite fun. She was allegedly the descendant of John Alden, who sailed over on the Mayflower. Not sure how credible that is at all, but it was it did allow for certain accounts of her life to include sentiments such as, although her ancestors arrived in America with deep, unshakable religious values, Mansfield's life turned out to be anything but pious. <laughs> it's literally, I think that's why it's they... The only reason, so we can judge her more harshly. <laughs> <laughs> now, one bio, as I said, that was written in 1872, spoke of Josie's father's considerable talent at this Boston newspaper. This is just an aside. I like the way it was written. Spoke of how he worked his way up the career ladder with considerable rapidity. Her mother was employed as a feeder upon the printing press. Okay. Yeah. They went to great length about what the daddy did. Mother fed paper into a machine. Oh, ladies. Pages go in here. (laughs) They're barely even named as well. Yeah. Except when they want to be really disparaging about her. Also in this report, Josie was described as a very unpromising child. Mm. And so far as personal beauty was concerned, due to a peculiar appearance of her nasal organ. Her, her, her nose? Um, what do you mean as her nose? Yes. Her nose. They, they described it in a way that, that still does not make sense. Mm. I, I wrote it down. I went, no, I'm taking that out. Because there was, there was some sort of dip between her eyes... And it resulted in her nose, I think it is, looking turned up. Right. So she had a turned up nose. Then it went on to say this irregularity disappeared to a great degree when she grew up. And she would later be classed as one of the most beautiful women of the day. So why mention it? (laughs) Why why bring it up? Why judge the baby? Yes. The baby was a bit ugly. (laughs) By the time she was three, she was quite beautiful. But she was still an ugly baby. (laughs) Who's doing this? Oh, this baby has no promise whatsoever. Ugh. Ew. But when she was a toddler, not due to her appearance, but Josie's father did go to California 
Couldn't bear to look at her anymore. <laughs> but no, California, them gold and them hills. Well, quite. Yes. He went to California to continue his career in the newspaper industry and he left the family behind. Now, whether it was, I shall go on to California and I will call you to me, mm. Moses-like, weirdly. <laughs> um, or he was like, oh no, I can't with you guys. He went to California and he did quite well out there. He was a newspaper editor. He ended up being murdered. Vum. Mm, shot by a rival newspaper man. Okay. Yeah. There well, were it's a dangerous two, business. Exactly. Apparently so. Two newspapers, both alike in dignity, <laughs> just rivals. And I looked at the various reports and it was just the, you know, there were all sorts of details about the man and the, and the, the publication. It was just someone came in and shot him. Just shot him dead. Okay. It's like dangerous business newspapers. Yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah. Josie was seven years old when her father died. And this is devastating for a number of reasons. Not only is the family grieving, but it means they're at the mercy of the relatives. So mm. it's just her and her mother. And they're like, okay, what are we going to do? They move into the home of her paternal uncle, Charles Mansfield, who was a fish dealer. Okay. But he does very well. He, he's got Everyone likes some fish? property and estates. He's got, he's, he's got money. He's got money. He's only too happy, happy to shelter the poor widow. Oh, my poor sister-in-law. Come here. Let me comfort you. Let me comfort you. Let's get married. <laughs> comfort, comfort, so, comfort. Comfort, comfort, comfort. And her rapidly improving daughter, apparently. So he'll do some comforting... But, yep, got to say it, this is where the story gets dark. Charles Mansfield, her uncle, does molest no. Josie. She would say later that this happened, that her mother, when she remarried, Charles was drinking heavily and was out on the town every night, living the high life, looking for new partners, really wasn't bothered about being with Charles at all. Charles, yep, yeah, did abuse Josie. He made threats on her. She never said anything to her mother because her mother was a drunk at the time. Mm. So it's sad. It's important to, to mention that and that she talked about it later on. She also alleged, this is not very nice either, that her stepfather started selling her to other men. Ew. It's very quickly glossed over in mm. most of the reports. Josie said this happened. Some reports remove it completely which is mm. shocking really because some of them are all like you know oh, why Josie was such an awful woman it was like well maybe maybe look at her child yes, yes. maybe look she at didn't her have childhood. a fun time yeah and again that's bollocks she's not an awful woman so yeah there we go that is not pleasant eventually the marriage between her mother and Charles collapses because he finds letters proving the mother's infidelity to him okay. and he says that's just completely intolerable yes Really a child molesting fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they end up getting divorced because mm. the mother has been gallivanting around the town. Yeah. Not yeah. okay. Josie and Mama head to California for a spell, then to San Francisco. When mother and daughter finally settle in a home in San Francisco in Bryant Street, their landlord and neighbour, James Carter, welcomes them in and is instantly, instantly smitten mm. with Josie. Josie is 16, 17 years old mm. at this time. That nose thing, gone. Sorted. The nose organ. Sorted itself right out. Yeah. Very pretty. Dark eyes, wavy hair, ruddy cheeks, and a plump, finely developed figure. And I will say, pictures of Josie Mansfield, she is a juicy, juicy woman. <laughs> she is a good-looking woman. She is a fine figure of a woman, and men could not get enough yeah. of it. Proof of proof needs be, they like him thick. <laughs> His eyes are on stalks, apparently, like... <laughs> Promptly asks his mother for a hand in marriage. Yeah, May I marry your daughter? Thankfully, the mother, who who has not been the best role model, yeah. really, goes, she's 17, you perv. Fuck off. No, you can't marry her. 
Carter goes, okay, okay, you know what we'll do? We know what we'll do. I've got a great solution. Why don't I arrange for her to be stashed away in a convent (laughs) 50 miles away so she can finish her education and then when she's ready and got a few years in her, she can come out and marry me. That'd be fine. I'll pay for everything. Absolutely fine. (laughs) Yeah. Seems entirely reasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just put her with the nuns. Yeah. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mama and daughter may have had some side eye going on here going, <laughs> she does go to this convent some people call it a boarding school it's definitely a convent for a time for a matter of weeks not long not long she goes returns pretty swiftly in the meantime her mother has gone out partying in san francisco has met another man who will end up being her second stepfather mm-hmm. a man named richard warren who in some description is a professional gambler Others, gambling addict. Piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. M- Mama's not choosing so them well. A fine line, I feel, yeah. between the two. Mm-hmm. Professional gambler. Mm. Mm. Josie leaves the convent, comes home, returns only to fall in love with a man named Frank Lawler, who is an actor at the San Francisco Opera House. Oh, He's got a very fancy life. She mm. falls for him completely. Poor Mr. Carter is standing there with a bunch of flowers, waiting for her to come home. He's like, we had an arrangement. <laughs> and I love you. What? He never heard of again. He just disappears from the scene like, that's it. Any deal with him is off. But then, in this period of their life, in San Francisco, we're not even in New York yet, there's another weird, creepy scandal thing. And this is, yeah, make of this what you will. Okay. Okay, so another man has been knocking on the door, calling on to see Josie. Yeah, Josie is attracting all sorts of attention from people. This man is uh, D.W. Purley. And he has fallen for her completely. He's turning up at the door, cap in hand, presents and everything. Wants to to be seen with her, wants wants to take her courting. Delectable young lady that she is. But Josie is spoken for. However, new stepfather new piece of shit Mm. mr warren has an idea he wants josie to get in a compromising position with your man Uh, encourages forces go do some stuff he's gonna hide under the bed and at an appropriate time pop out she used those words he would pop he popped out from under the bed with a gun and said give me five hundred dollars or i'm gonna tell everyone what you've done Right. Yeah. Okay, that's a bit shitty. Yeah, that's not nice. Not 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 good. It's weird yes. and yeah, a strange setup. That is peculiar. Pearlie paid mm. the stepfather at the time with a check. Leaves the house, goes straight to the bank and cancels the check. Yeah. And then goes straight to the newspapers. And to the okay. police reporting blackmail. Yeah. Saying, right, this has just happened to me. I have no shame, apparently. This is what's happened. Now, no charges apparently were brought for mm. blackmail or against the family. The papers made much of this scandal then. This ridiculous, you know, in a very you know, un-PC kind of way. Like, oh, what a funny little scandal this was. <laughs> like, this is not nice. Mm. Um, they claimed that Richard Warren and actually Frank Lawler, the guy that Josie was seeing, were in on it together. Now, Frank Lawler would say he was in Nevada at the time of this incident. And when he came back, Josie, and she didn't seem to deny this, I don't know if there's many reports on that. He came back and she said, oh, this terrible scandal has befallen me. We need to get married. We need to get married so I avoid scandal and also to get me away from my stepfather. So... That seems fair. Yeah, they end up getting married. So she has now secured a nice actor husband and that's what she's got ambitions for. Okay. So, yeah. Um, 
weird, nasty, yeah, gross stuff going on there. Whatever mm. happened, that's in the past now. No more trigger warnings. They, Josie and Frank get married in 1864. They bop around different places for a little bit. They go to a few other places before settling in New York. They settle in New York. Frank is Josie's ticket out of town. Mm. That's what she wants. The Lawlers aren't the Lawlers for very long, though. They get married as soon as they settle in New York. Marriage disintegrates. Yeah. They get divorced. Not not bothered. But now Josie is in the bright lights of New York City. Well, fun times. Wonderful. She's going to make her mark. She's going to make her mark as an actress, a singer, a performer, a juggler, a mime, an otter tickler, a curtain puller, any of those things. <laughs> They'll do. They'll All do. those things. Yeah. Eh, not so much. Mm. Not so much. She fails as an actress, as many, many, many young ingenues over the centuries have done. Yes. She turns up on Broadway expecting the world to fall at her feet, expecting to take to the stage. No. And again, this, this 1872 bio of her wrote, which is uh, I quite like the way it's written. Although she possessed of a fine presence, ample self-possession, a clear head, good memory, a comprehensive intellect, and a great love of fame, yet being deficient in the power of imitation and also being endowed with a large amount of individuality, thereby rendering it impossible for her to identify herself with any other character than that, of Josie Lawler. Oh, okay. That's a nice way of saying yeah, that. Yeah, that's good. You're a I shit like actress. <laughs> you can't imitate anyone. Yeah, you're you just, just you're, you. You're just you. Yeah, and which is... <laughs> and we all know actors like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there are famous actors. We're in Amdram. There's like, yeah, we've always seen people like that who are just like me on stage. But there's there's certain film actors. Oh, completely. I'll ask you later. Well, think about it as if there's a particular actor in mind that you have. <laughs> <laughs> so this has not worked out for her. 1867, she's living in a single room on Lexington Avenue. She can barely find enough money to eat. Mm. She's got one presentable dress. She has months of backlog of rent. She's in a really desperate position. She spends a lot of time, tactfully written, at her friend Annie Wood's house on 34th Street. House, yes. Bordello, yes. Mm. <laughs> now, this is a place gentlemen could come and yep. smoke a cigar and enjoy a brandy, a game of cards, be ridden seven ways from Sunday. <laughs> But there's no... It's the gentleman like. They, they, they enjoy a good writing. There's no indication, though, that Josie was providing services yeah. for money at this place. That she, she probably would have admitted it. People could have taken the pot shot at her in any of the press articles saying yeah. she worked as a prostitute there or as a sex worker. She just was there hanging out. She'd take coats, serve but, drinks. Uh, exactly, yeah. And a lot of men with a lot of money would come through the door there. Yeah. She was quite happy. So she's hanging out in the house because it's much nicer than her shitty, shitty one room that she has. <laughs> one day, though, a gentleman named Jim Fisk walks through the door of the bordello where mm -hmm. Josie is there. Now, whispers would have started to spin around the room when he walked in, but all the girls who were there, whoever knew of this man, all the girls fluttering to see him, Jim Fisk, stockbroker, railroad man, millionaire. One of the robber barons <laughs> of the Gilded Age. Also known as Big Jim, Diamond Jim, Jubilee Jim. <laughs> a man had made a fortune playing the stock market and swindling whoever he could. Nice. To make his millions, yeah. yeah but no morals. <laughs> no. Well, rich people generally don't, I feel. The, the don't. Famously, the don't. <laughs> Sorry, yes. the don't. Um, he started life in Vermont. And as a teenager, he ran away to join the circus. Nice. Like it. 
he, this served him very well because he eventually became a peddler, but using the skills that he learnt in the circus, performance and everything, made him a very successful peddler. And then he was able to upgrade to being a salesman. So he did dry nice. goods, textiles. Then he started dealing army contracts. And it was said he started smuggling cotton during the American Civil <laughs> War across the lines. He also made a mint shorting stocks. During the American Civil War, nice. <laughs> due to tip-offs that he got, I think it's the siege of Petersburg, I think it is. But he, he sort of got a tip-off and saying it's going to go in the favour of one side or the other. And so he instantly sent all his men and said, like, short out the stocks <laughs> on one side, that, that favour them, and made him in. Made him in. No care for any, huh? you know, anything else. He went on to battle for control, famously, of the Erie Railroad Company. And he succeeded. He had links to other famous robber barons at the time, Jay Gould, Dennis Drew, and he was able to buy and bribe his way around the cities. He was one of the people responsible for causing the Black Friday crash of 1869. So two oh, years he was later. Popular. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tempted to corner the gold market. Mm. The president got involved. It's really interesting. There's too much to put in here. Essentially, all the horrible, bad, you know, millionaires involved in this all escaped prosecution completely. Oh, completely. Got away with it because he was really pally with William Boss Tweed. Mm. Boss Tweed of Tammany Hall. He was known, though, as well, that you're like strutting around Manhattan, not worried about showing off his wealth at all, in his elaborate outfits, okay. elaborate uniforms, they were called, perfumed hair, waxed moustache, and fingers covered with diamond rings. <laughs> Absolutely minted he was delightful and he was known as known for his ruthless business dealings as he was as being a darling of the new york social scene <laughs> he's got it he gone floored it yeah and he just loved the pretty ladies well love the pretty ladies yeah. and this isn't for sex like turning up and going i have sex with you <laughs> just if he saw a pretty lady he was known for handing out hundred dollar bills <laughs> to them you pretty take some money Thank you for your service to <laughs> my face, to my eyes. <laughs> to my eyes. <laughs> and in 1867, in that bordello, he has walked through the door and he has caught the eye. But really, Josie has caught his eye and the dollar bills start flying. Mm. I think that's time for a drink. Oh, gosh, yes. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Nick, we have a drink. We do. We were in New York. We are. In a bordello of all places. You're flinging $100 bills at me. $100 bills. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying it in that voice. Make it rain, make it rain, make it rain on them boys. Josie has been introduced to Gym Fist, to Jubilee Gym. He's 35 at this time. She's 20. So a bit of an age gap, but he flushed with cash. He is smitten. Smitten. Josie is hot. Let's just say it. Josie is hot. Everyone wants her. And Fist starts throwing the dollar bills at her. Absolutely. Like, oh, I want your attention. Josie's a smart girl. Ignores him. Nice. Plays it cool. Okay. Fine. You know, kind of shrugs it off. He pursues her relentlessly. She <laughs> plays it cool. She will not let him have his way with her. Good for her. Gowns, jewellery. Her little one bedroom, like one room on Lexington. Not good enough for you. I'm going to put you up in a hotel suite. <laughs> a beautiful suite. Suite not good enough for you? Buying you a townhouse. A brownstone. I'm going to buy this for you. Why can't I be a man like this? Because <laughs> <laughs> you need to hang out at Bordello no, and be alluring. Yes. <laughs> quite, you're quite standoffish with me, but with uh, friends, what do you, want? you make. Off. <laughs> with friends, you make us work. <laughs> I don't know what you're like with with partners. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Maybe put on a fabulous gown. Maybe. And hang out in the known bordellos in <laughs> Canterbury. Or just hang out at Cafe Me with the mimes. Right. And see what happens. Can't yeah. possibly go wrong. But anyway, Josie has ready cash available, whatever she wants. If he doesn't buy it for her, she can get it. And after three months of being just showered with gifts, she accepts oh. his request for her to be his mistress. Because, of course, he is married. Yeah, of course. He is married. It is public knowledge-ish that his wife tolerates his affairs. Well, I think many people, many rich men would have had such oh, things. Yeah. Yeah. His wife, Lucy, this is interesting. You might think she had fuck all choice on it. One report is that Lucy, he, they, they married in their teens. They met. Lucy had a girlfriend. Oh, fair enough. Lucy had a girlfriend named Fanny Harrod. I really Lucy. hope that wasn't someone making up a horrible name. <laughs> but that she had a partner. She was gay. She lived her life. He lived his life doing whatever they want and they holidayed together. They he visited her all the time. They were really great friends. Well, they were very sounds amicable. Like, sounds like a delightful arrangement. What a setup. <laughs> so Josie moves into her own townhouse on West Twenty Third Street. He spends sixty five thousand dollars doing up the house. Renovations. Main renovation, putting in a covered passageway connecting the back door <laughs> of the Erie Railway Company, which is a few doors down, to her apartment building so they can visit each other nice. whenever they like. Because they have to, they can't do too much publicly. No, indeed propriety. not. No, yes. She has four servants, money, daily beauty treatments, $250,000 worth of emeralds. Okay. She has a jewellery box embedded with jewels to keep the extra jewels in. <laughs> the box has jewels. It has jewels in it. And the jewels have jewels in them. And also, every two weeks, she has a skin treatment to whiten her skin using bismuth and arsenic. Arsenic alarm. Arsenic alarm. Arsenic alarm. It has been a while since we've had an arsenic alarm, but any bloody excuse to put it in there. Yes, arsenic. It is written down that she used arsenic on her face. We're going to cover it. Absolutely. 
Bismuth, by the way, you know what bismuth is? Yeah, it's a metal, isn't it? Oh, God, why do you know all the things? It's a really, yeah, but it's a really weird one that sort of crystallises in those square sort of... It's a pigment. Yeah. It's like, so it's heavy metal, but you put it in cosmetics still today. So you will have it as a filler in sort of powders and foundations. Um, don't put it on your skin. <laughs> don't look out for that as an ingredient. Don't do that. Anyway, Josie, all this wealth and finery. She's set. Absolutely. Would you be happy? Um. Wow, you had to think. Probably, I, I would give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> what else would you want? What are you thinking now? No, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's sounding pretty good so far. Yeah. So, so, mm. yeah. The thing is, Josie's always going to be the other woman. I mean, this is the thing. So when you, in that sort of setup, you can't go, oh, I found this ladder fancy. Mm. So you are sort of stuck being, yeah, being mm. the other woman, really, and, aren't you? And while it may be open secret, you're not really going to be the darling of the social scene in all respects. Yeah. Everyone's going to love seeing you. She struts around Manhattan in her finery. Yeah. Oh, she milks it, as, as Fisk did as well. People love to see her and applauding and, and happy, but they're gossiping about her Yeah, behind the back. And the newspapers are talking about her as like, oh, yeah, she's a harlot. They're talking about, like, she can eat and drink in the finest of restaurants, but she's going to be a figure of scandal and derision. This is perhaps best demonstrated when she made something of an error by having the nerve to call upon Fisk at his offices at the Erie Railroad Company. She walks through the front door, mm. unannounced, apparently, and this is a quote from one of the reports, in such magnificent array as to completely demoralise the clerks <laughs> and to astonish all present. How do you completely... Why, dem- why are the clerks demoralised? Why are they demoralised? <laughs> I will never afford a frock like that. <laughs> sad. <laughs> demoralised, that's the thing. Is like, Did they lose their morals or are they... like? Yeah, maybe tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. For morale. Morale, <laughs> yes. maybe. Yeah. I was reading it as they saw her dress and then tore off their clothes and just... No, no, no. I don't think that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this is like, oh, oh, oh. We will never achieve that level of fanciness. Yes. He's like, why are you doing this to my staff? <laughs> Jesus. But yes, she walks in. And then the next day, they, they wrote to each other all the time, Fisk, as they would do. You know, if they can't see each other, they, you know, they're going to send telegrams, they're going to send letters. He sent her multiple letters just going, here's your $75. <laughs> see you later. Will you dine with me tonight? <laughs> that one time. <laughs> <laughs> but in this letter, after she turned up unannounced at his offices, he wrote, strange you should make my office the vicinity for a personal. You must be aware that harm came to me in such a foolish vanity and those that could do it care but little for the interest of the writer in this right know your place woman so yeah don't this is the place of business so this is this is this is my place of business don't you be coming around here yeah so (laughs) so she wants to be you know woman of society and like the the wife of this big you know millionaire she's getting all the spoils but yeah don't come to my office don't come to the office yeah it's not i'll come to you yeah (laughs) through the back passage yeah (laughs) so Josie's in this sort of state, but things take a turn for the worst on New Year's Day in 1870 when Fisk himself hosted a New Year's Day party. Josie attended. She could go to the party. It's mm-hmm. fine. She's there. Just can't talk to me. But you can no, go. no, no, no. Don't, look, don't make eye contact. She met one of Fisk's business partners, Edward Ned Stokes. Now, Stokes is a dashing young chap, a little mm-hmm. closer to Josie's age, flush with cash, as he's the owner of an oil refinery that Fisk was a silent partner in. Stokes enjoys gambling, drinking, going out in the town, lays eyes on Josie. Woo! 
Ooh, ooh, ooh. It's a fine no man, looking woman. No man can resist this Apparently woman. Not. No one can resist this woman. Everyone is just tearing their hair out and screaming for her love. Instantly attracted to each other. And soon he's calling on Josie at her home and she welcomes an affair. Mm. She's only too happy. But Josie, you're onto a good thing here. Come on. Yeah. She had a lot of freedom in New York, but... Is she really worried about stage? Is she going to carry on with another man out of wedlock? It's it's a weird it's a weird dynamic. But she carries yeah. on going. Okay, well, well, I may as well. Why not? I can't. I can't imagine Fisk is like it well. No, no, not so much. Not so. No. Not not kind of fully furious, but more of questions of right. Okay, you're not my wife, but what's what, what's going on here? Mm. You know what's happening. I'm giving you a lot of shit. I'm giving you a lot I'm, of stuff. You get a lot of stuff out of me. So. Yeah, and I can't stop you from seeing someone else, but I'd really quite like yeah. to. Um, begins a barrage of letters to her, knowing where he stood. No, you need to break this off with Stokes. Stokes is like, let her decide. Let her decide between us. Which one's the better man? Josie would write to Fisk, I don't see why we can't all three be friends. Mm, that's a tad naive, I feel. Mm, Fisk would reply... She could not love them both any more that you can run two engines on the same track in opposite directions. Well, you can for a while, and then it goes, <laughs> then it goes horribly wrong. <laughs> I mean, he's playing the long game there. Also, railroad man kind of with the, with the euphemisms there, going, yeah. just, just stop shagging! <laughs> but yeah, no menage a trois is going to happen. No. Of her going, let's all be friends. Things become deeply, deeply bitter between all parties. These are very, very wealthy men, Fisk in particular. And what do they do? They're going to battle each other out in court. They're just going to take each other's money as a result of this. Fisk and Mansfield break up. Then they get back together. Then they break up again. There's a series of letters between them of him just sort of going, well, I love you, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't do this. And also, but I love you and we could, we could work this out, but don't. And then she goes, oh, no, come round. And then she goes, oh, no, I'm bored. No, no, don't do it. You can read all of the letters. She then demands money from him. At first saying, look, just give me $25,000 and I won't leave you. And then she changed tack where he goes, I don't care. And she goes, well, you owe me this from our time together. You said it one time while we were having sex. Um, and he goes, no, fuck you. No. <laughs> this takes a new mistress, a, a Parisian singer. Parisian singer at this time. Stokes decides to blackmail Fisk with the love letters that he has sent Josie. So he's got copies of them. He demands $200,000 for these or he will go to the press. And Fisk refuses to pay. Fisk uh, doesn't really sound like a chap who sort of cares, really. No, he's, he's not got um, where he is yeah. by by just sort of curling up and going, oh, going, okay. oh, no, the press might think badly of me. Yeah, it's like... You did realise the huge, huge Black Friday problem there and I got off scot-free. Yeah. Fisk refuses. He starts a legal battle with Stokes. He takes over his oil refinery. The oil refinery was actually in Stokes' family. He manages to get not only the oil refinery off him, but places an injunction on the land so none of the family can go on the land. He sued for libel at one point for comments he made about Josie. He has to pay out. Stokes at one point gets a compensation payout because of what Fisk is doing, but then he just mounts another, another campaign against him. Fisk is ultimately the winner of all these battles. He's got he ends more up, money. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's got endless amounts of yeah. money. He doesn't care. Ends up wrestling control of the oil refinery from Stokes. Yeah, okay, that's going to benefit me. Places injunctions on him and his family. Lawsuits that Stokes raised were dismissed and also injunctions were placed on Stokes preventing him from revealing the love letters mm. to the press. 
this is all going on and Stokes is now losing. He's losing and Fisk is like, don't care, I'm going to take your money. Yeah. Don't care about her. This is just now a matter of pride. Then Stokes learns that Fisk is going to take another action against him for blackmail. That he's going to charge him with blackmail. He decides enough is enough. And he's going to confront Fisk himself. Mm-hmm. And so on the 6th of January, 1872, Stokes finds out that Fisk is on his way to the Grand Central Hotel on Broadway. He knew that Fisk always entered via the ladies' door. He makes his way into the building. He stands in wait on the second floor landing. He hears Fisk arriving. He hears Fisk climb the stairs. Stokes starts walking down the stairs towards Fisk, who's probably rolling his eyes like, you again. Why? What the hell do you want? Stokes pulls out a revolver, shoots him three times. Yeah, that'll do it. Yep. Two in the arm, one in the abdomen. Fisk tumbles to the bottom of the stairs, crying out, for God's sake, will no one save me? Stokes tries to flee. He's caught. Yeah. He's caught very quickly. Fisk lay dying, but with his last breaths, identified Stokes. That 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 man, I know him. He's the one who shot me. He would die the next morning Mm. from the gunshot wound to the stomach. The love triangle is well and truly over. Yes, it would be. Still going to carry on. (laughs) I think we can make this work. Mm. Stokes was arrested. He stood trial for murder three times. Okay. He claimed self-defense. And weirdly, he said that Fisk had a gun, pulled a gun on him. In the hotel, a gun was found just in the foyer in a sofa that made people go, well, he could have thrown a gun that way. Flung it across the room. (laughs) And everyone's probably like, he definitely didn't have a gun. Who the fuck is hiding guns? Why why is there a gun here? (laughs) Someone was like, yeah, it was definitely him. It wasn't me. Walks out. Oh, Jesus. Mm. The first trial that he stood was no verdict. The jury can reach a verdict. Second trial, mistrial. Various things. Third trial, he's convicted of manslaughter. Okay. So manslaughter. I'm literally walking down some steps and shooting a man yeah. point blank range. But he gets four years in prison. God, is that all? Four years in it prison. It seems very much planned, this, <laughs> this, this, this attack. Yeah, a bit premeditated. <laughs> but then Stokes mm. is not a poor man either. Mm. He has connections. He gets out. He continues to run a hotel that he owned beforehand. He's a very bitter man until mm. his death, really. it's all he, he seems to sort of sue everyone all the time, even the people who helped him when he was in jail. Not ideal. It's all just a bit weird. But what of Josie? What of our darling Josie? Not quite. A week after Fisk's death, the New York Herald published 39 letters between her and Fisk. All of the love letters detailing their affair, the scandal with Stokes, nothing about the murder or anything like that, but they were like, oh, let's just read about two people who were shagging. Josie had more important things to do than worry herself with those letters. She had to sue Fisk's widow <laughs> for $200,000. God. Because she just said, Fisk owed me that. He, he owed me that. Wife goes, no. No, no, I didn't. Josie was not successful in that mm. lawsuit. And the scandal would follow her. The scandal yeah. would follow her. She moved to Boston for a time. Her fame tracked her down there. Apparently crowds followed her and they hooted at her. Like, so owls, yes. owls were you know, following her around as hoot, 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 hoot <laughs> in the street. She had to go back to New York. There was, she was actually called up in a really weird, obscure court case that was, well, not really weird, obscure, it's just obscure to this thing, that there was a court of impeachment concerning Fisk's relations with the judge and she had to give evidence. And right. when she arrived in court... Several of the women who were in court just walked out to <gasps> protest in disgust. Cannot be in the same room as this one. No, 
but who knew New York? Mm. Josie would move to Paris. She moved to Paris in 1873. She was accompanied by none other than Ella Wesner, who was one of the most famous male impersonators <laughs> in vaudeville at the time. Nice. It's just a little footnote. They went to Paris <laughs> for a bit. Had a lovely, jolly holiday. Yep. Um, obviously, Ella got a lot of negative press because mm. of this. She, she'd been married, actually, to a man as well, but... She was very famous for being a male impersonator. She would go back to America after a few months. But she went over there. Josie lived the rest of her life between Paris and England for a few years. At one point, she was reported as dead. <laughs> a reporter tracks her down. She's like, no, I'm very much I'm alive. I'm not dead, yes. <laughs> yeah. And there would just be lots of news stories about her for hmm. years. Like, we can imagine, like, the modern celebrities yeah. who are forgotten and every now and then go, so-and-so goes to the shop. So-and-so is still alive. <laughs> yes. So-and-so looked over there once. She's now in Celebrity Big Brother. <laughs> <laughs> Equivalent of people were fascinated by Josie Mansfield and they kept reporting on her life, what she was doing, who she was seeing, how sick she was, how lavish she was living, how poor she was. In 1931, aged 83, Josie collapsed in a Paris department store and she died in hospital of stomach cancer. She had one last claim to fame because she was immortalized unofficially on the 1891 US $1,000 silver certificate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there is a picture on there that is Josie. It is a, from a photograph of Josie. There's really famous ones of her sort of leaning over like a, like, like leaning over a chair, her full like gorgeous voluptuous figure. And that was used on the 1891 silver certificate. So silver certificates, very weird, obscure <laughs> bit of currency, still technically legal tender. <laughs> but the $1,000 one has her picture on it and that note was called the courtesan note. Oh, very nice. Mm. And that is the story of Josie Mansfield. That was very good. And the scandal of New York. Such a scandal indeed. Such a scandal. Yeah, she, she could have lived quite happily. And the, all the yeah. jewels and riches and frocks and everything that she would have got. Mm. Just pack them up. Leave. Yeah, yeah I think you, she okay, had a not, good life. You're not going to get the townhouse, probably. No. You might not be able to keep that, but everything that's in it, ship it off. Before. <laughs> <laughs> I think she, she had a good life in Paris. Yeah. She sort of was between Paris and London. She was married again briefly. I think there's just so much speculation in all the news reports. Really, her full story, mm. sadly, has been lost. It would be nice to think that she went to Paris and she went to London and actually had a really extravagant, lovely lifestyle. She's like, I don't give a shit. I don't <laughs> give a shit. She'd had a rotten run of it in her yeah. childhood. In her childhood, because it's not You know, yeah. hypersexualized and like subjected to abuse and mm, all this yeah. sort of thing, you know, which is awful. Then lived her life you know very freely going yeah. okay and took whatever she could get from this millionaire billionaire really and then just like sparked this scandal everyone who <laughs> met her was obsessed with her <laughs> well that's one way to live yeah that's one Enjoy way to live it. there we are would you would you live that life again uh, again i mean i i often have so. <laughs> it's like sometimes you think like would you, would you there's always that it's question going well now <laughs> You get asked that question, go, you marry for love, then would you marry for money? Would you ever marry for money? I mean, um, it's very actually, easy. It would have to be say. a lot of money. How much? What, 50 pounds? I mean, a whole, a whole 50 quid will get you a hell of a lot. <laughs> How much? I'm not really giving it rated a thought before. I have. But it, it would have to be enough that, okay, I'm exceedingly comfortable mm. for the rest of my life. That's yours. The, yes. Your money, yeah. That I can, yeah. That I'm not working. 
I've got a nice house, mm. I can travel, I can do what I want, the sort of thing. Not just, oh, here's, I don't know, yeah, a hundred grand. No. <laughs> no, oh, no, you're not cheap. <laughs> I don't know, 10 million, I'd be like, yeah, yeah fine. Five million would be pushing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm not. I'm not. Sorry. Who do you think I am? <laughs> if anyone's offering, I mean. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So, you know, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you well, got the email address. So get in touch. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're moral people. I'm married and everything. But you know, I mean, start a negotiation. We're not. We're not opposed to these things. But what do you think, people? What do you think of the story of Josie Mansfield? A really interesting character and her story has been played out in the press over the years. That's where we get a lot of the source material. So you may have really strong feelings about who she really was, about the men in her life, and also about the gilded age of New York scene, the social scene. Would you have settled for all the fancy stuff or would you demand more? Just more. <laughs> more fancy. More or just a simple life, just a cottage and a bookshop. That's all we want. <laughs> tell us what you think jump on the comments of this episode tell us your thoughts your theories your feelings about this story and share more suggestions of stories that we can do in the future but most importantly if you're listening to any tale based in New York you must mix up a Manhattan absolutely have a Manhattan indeed it's, it's very now. good it's very good you, you've been sipping yours throughout because I had to read words it is, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 and it's it got a, difficult at a, the it's end it's a dangerous thing it's a dangerous <laughs> thing it's a delicious tasty lovely thing you know what I've saved I've saved my maraschino cherry mm. which has just been soaking yes. up that booze I fine. No, 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 no. <laughs> you ate yours instantly you've necked two cocktails to be fair yes. mix up a Manhattan share your favourite versions of a Manhattan yes any other New York cocktails so that you that you like. Mm. So yeah, let us know what you'll be mixing up. If you haven't already, please consider joining us on patreon.com and leave us a review on Apple iTunes and also wherever you listen to your podcast. Five-star reviews really help us get noticed, helps us get up the charts and brings more listeners to our show, helps us keep doing what we're doing. Please join us on YouTube if you haven't already and also TikTok where I tell stories a lot. Sinead tells a lot of stories. I do. I tell a lot of stories I can vote about. <laughs> any follows are appreciated we love you very much thanks for listening guys we have been the people inside the poisoner's cabinet we will see you next week and remember your loved ones are trying to kill you Poison.